The director originally got the idea for this movie while working in Iceland on a horse farm. He got such a bad skin infection from the rotting hay in the barn that his face broke out in sores, blood, and peeled off when he shaved. Hey, this is Drew here with my little sister, Ashley. Hello. And best friend, Derek. Yo. Got the order right this time. <laughs> two just two weeks in a row with the whole gang. What yes, are, we're doing what, it. What are the odds? Thanks for um, thanks for coming to this episode to support me and um, my post birthday <laughs> endeavors. So this is a special episode because it was my birthday two days ago. So that's <laughs> that's a big deal for everyone. It's also yeah. special um because this is episode 179 of new release my favorite number yeah 179 okay yep yep <laughs> that's the one i've been waiting for <laughs> and on new release we um each week we oh wow i don't remember the intro because we're doing a different one but typically each week we watch something new and then decide if we want more this week we are going back to old school new release in honor of this, you know, really important number. And looking back at 2003, mostly specifically at one movie, the one that actually gruesomely referenced, <laughs> but we're going to give a little kind of overview of the the landscape. Last we left off, what what's the last movie from 2003 that we watched before we um, switched it up? Great question. Do you know the I mean, answer? Nope, but <laughs> I can find it. <laughs> Oh, it's, no it's kind of a trick question. Uh, was it not it a two thousand? Was it two thousand twenty three movie and not two thousand three? No, it was a two thousand three production. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we, we actually wow. left off um, on two TV shows. It was the Dawson's Creek and Buffy oh. finale back to back. Oh, uh, so not a movie. <laughs> nope. So it was. It wasn't on that podcast. So I get a get a freebie on that one. There you go. That actually has no excuse, though. Yeah, my my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So we left off there in 2003. We were about to hit like a pretty boring stretch of summer movies, but the whole reason that we picked 2003 in the first place, and I mean, you know, I say we, but <laughs> I've got a lot of power on this um, podcast, mm-hmm. and the thing that drew me personally to 2003 was the end of August and the beginning of September. Um, this little stretch of movies that kind of like I've mentioned this I've mentioned this before, but um, I was let's see like just graduating high school and um, you know kind of figure out what I wanted to do as an adult and starting to get more into movies and I feel like the the indieish or the interesting movies that I was exposed to around this time were really formative and and memorable. Um, some of them <laughs> hold up, some of them don't, but I just have like a lot of adult nostalgia, film lover nostalgia for this this little stretch of films. So, um, any thoughts uh from y'all on like this period, like twenty, basically like twenty years ago? Like, do you think you were super into film then more than you are now, or has anything changed? Hmm. I was 
getting just getting into film. Yeah. Uh, and because I, at this time I was working at Best Buy where I was stocking the, the DVDs. Oh, so yeah, I saw right. pretty much everything that was, well, literally everything that was on the shelves, at least at Best Buy. Yeah. And we were so, on the same age. So like I was like 16. So probably starting to get into more movie, more movie going and could actually drive to the movie theater. So probably pretty pivotal for me as well. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just throw out some names because this is the little stretch that, um, that we wanted to hit. So 13 comes out, um, August 20th, I think uh, end of August. So have both of y'all seen this coming of age, um, kind of raw, um, performance by Evan Rachel Wood and, and Holly Hunter as her mom, just kind of like, um, rebelling and, and, um, trying to fit in with the cool kids. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw it because there- of you. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember much of it though. Yeah, let me play like a brief snippet of the trailer just because I feel like the music um and the audio captures the kind of very early aughts aesthetic that they're going for. One, two, three, go. Starring Academy Award winner Holly Hunter and Evan Rachel Wood is being called a riveting razor-sharp portrait of the way we live now. Everybody will go through this, so why not just be as honest as possible? 13 is a must-see motion picture experience. Entertainment Weekly says the director works with such flair and fury, it's as if the camera were jutting out of her heart. The New Yorker calls it a burning experience of desperation and fleeting exhilaration. 13 is astonishing, scalding, unflinching. I love you and your brother more than anything in the world. 13. So a lot of sound effects going on. Yeah, and well, and, <laughs> and you're only hearing the audio. Unfortunately, we don't have um blue and green tinted lenses for <laughs> for oh. how you hear something but the the like film was heavily like edited it's like filmed on these like handheld cameras it's almost like uh feels like a documentary um the girl who plays the bad girl in the movie nikki reed uh, co-wrote it with the director Catherine hardwick so that 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 little promo there was like showing her in interviews, like kind of playing up the authenticity um, of of the characters and how the kids kind of like just act and talk like very true to her experience. So all of that old, was like... How old was she when she wrote it? She it says know. 13 in the, in the little like promo. And I think she was 14 when they were filming it. Wow, that's nice. So yeah, yeah. She was writing it as a 13-year-old. She, from my understanding, is like more the Evan Rachel Wood character in her life experience. So and the director is the Holly Hunter um, mm-hmm. mother figure because they are like, that's like her surrogate mother. So they, I don't know, it just has a totally different like vibe than other teen movies from this time. And that's always been a genre I really liked, maybe because of this movie, even though most of them are nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> like this tonally. But um yeah, it just felt very like real and raw, but also if you watch it now, it feels like it only could have been made visually <laughs> at that time. So would you uh, suggest going back and watching it or no? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'll compare it a little bit more to our main movie as as we get into that just in terms of like which one holds up better. But yeah, I would definitely recommend rewatching it. Um the other ones I wanted to note real quick, we won't spend as much time on these are um Party Monster, any quick thoughts or remembrances? Remembrances. Um, 
memories of Party Monster? I'm not sure if I've seen it. Yeah, um, I've seen it. And yeah, again, around like this time where I was seeing a bunch of uh, DVDs hit the shelves or not hit the shelves, but well, I guess sometimes I threw them at the shelves. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so Party Monster I saw around this time, too. And yeah, it's good. It's fucking wild. Yeah, McCulloch Culkin playing, you know, the polar opposite. Well, maybe not even the polar opposite. Kind of like if Kevin grew up <laughs> to have emotional damage, what mm. what would he be like? It's based on a memoir of like um, a kid that was very much in the this uh, scene in New York and like I forget the exact time period, but. Um, Seth Green's also in it, and they go to these like really elaborate um, uh, parties with with crazy costumes, do a shitload of drugs, um, and it's just a visually interesting movie as well with uh, performances from people that like you know in a totally different, um, totally different type of role. Yeah, yeah. you don't think you've seen this one, Ashley? It's, I mean, it sounds really familiar, but I just I can't. I just don't really remember it. I feel like I would remember it if I saw it. So. Yeah, okay. you, you remember at least the name. Well, yeah, rather, those those uh, performances. Okay, so now we're getting um a, a week or two into September, and this is when uh, Lost in Translation comes out. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Seems uh, it. Yep. <laughs> uh, this is like on. This is maybe like a lot of people's first indie movie, or it was an indie movie at least that broke through to a pretty mainstream level. I can't remember if it won. Um, if they they won acting uh, Oscars or if the movie won something big, but it was definitely a breakout um, movie for something that was kind of like quiet and emotional and and really like I don't know, uh, not mainstream in a lot of ways. Is this Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray? Yeah, Scarlett yeah. Johansson, Bill Murray, and then directed by one of my favorites, uh, Sofia Coppola. Um, who had done uh, Virgin Suicides four years earlier as her first movie. Damn. So yeah, Yeah. Lost in Translation. I just recently watched uh, Matchstick Men for the first time. This is a Nick Cage, Sam Rockwell con man movie that I had never seen. Yeah, I was prepping for the annual Nick Cage party hosted by a friend (laughs) of the podcast, Jamie and Meg. Um, Big success. So I I watched like three or four new Nick Cage movies new to me Nick Cage movies in the last week um, and that was that was one of them I saw that I think with mom and dad really at like, home but at not, home yeah not in theaters yeah because I definitely saw it when I was a kid so I, I don't know where you were but yeah I was trying to I was wondering one of the it was one of those movies where I knew of it for so long that I was not sure like I thought maybe I'd remember it as I put it on but definitely hadn't hadn't seen it Derek, have you seen it? No, I haven't. Uh, I just looked it up. I was just curious how many, uh, or not just, I was curious about how many films Nick Cage has been in. And the answer is at least 114. <laughs> I've seen 43. I have a letterboxed wow. list going. Great. So Meg's in the 50s, if not 60. Um, wow. She's I, a little more great. indiscriminate with the ones she'll watch. Sweet um, Valley High. I started watching that the other day. What is that? Or it's like a, it's either Sweet Valley High or that might be a book. It's like, it's something like that. Uh, Valley Girl? Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sweet Valley High, I think is like a kid, like a teenage 
book <laughs> series. But yeah, I started watching Valley Girl the other day. Valley Girl's great. Um, I watched, speaking of the Coppolas, I watched Peggy Sue Got Married from 1986, mm-hmm. which Francis Ford Coppola directed. And um, he's Nick Cage's uncle. So Cage, because he wanted to avoid, you know, the impression or for whatever reasons, um, changed his last name from Coppola to Cage. But he did end up working with his uncle uh, pretty early on in his career. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cage facts. Yeah, I, I've got plenty, plenty <laughs> of Cage insights, but we'll save that for another time. And then the last movie I'm going to mention from this little run, I think all three of these, um, the movie we're going to discuss, Matchstick Men, Lost in Translation, came out on the same weekend, and then maybe the following weekend, um, Underworld comes out. Yes, Kate Beckinsale. Really? I used to love this movie. Yeah. Wow. Total okay. badass. Yeah, I I it's... Five or six years after it came out, but I didn't realize it came out that early. Yeah, and they kept coming out. Like there's, there's been a bunch more of them, so you might have caught up with it after the sequels started coming out as well. But yeah, it was it was a really interesting time for for cinema because you have movies like that, and then you have movies like um, the number one movie at the box office. Uh, in early September was Dickie Roberts, former child star. Can anyone guess who the star of that was? Oh, um, was it David Spade or nice. Adam you, you got it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I would not have been able to guess it. Yeah, like I literally, I when I looked at the poster and, you know, for you, the box art, Derek, you yeah. Yeah. probably can picture it, but I did not even, <laughs> I was blue, just looking through the box and, office. Yeah. Yeah. Is it blue and yellow? Sure is. Yeah. So. Good job. It's Derek's favorite movie, actually. How There's many years did you work at Best Buy? Because we need to zero in on this period more. Uh, <laughs> well, how long did I work in the DVD and the media department? Probably yeah. one or two. Oh, okay. Definitely two years. Which means it was probably more like 2004 because these were all coming out on DVD the following year. Yeah. 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 yeah during that time. Yep. Right on. Well, that's our little um, look back at the whole 2003 kind of fall calendar. But we're going to zero in on the movie that I think we were un- pretty unanimously. I mean, I would have I would have been pushing for 13, but it was, was neck and neck for me mm-hmm. with the one that I was most excited to revisit from this time period. Um, Ashley, what do, what do we got? Um, so... And can you yeah follow back up on that trivia now is probably a good time. Yeah, so the director is Eli Roth. Um, that's who I was talking about earlier. And this movie called Cabin Fever is about a flesh-eating virus starring um, Corey's best friend um, from Boy Meets World. <laughs> yep. Ryder Strong, a.k.a. Sean. Yep, a.k.a. Sean. So uh, kids go on a camping trip in a cabin in the woods, and they all get a flesh eating virus. Not all of them. Most of them get a flushing virus and it ends very poorly for the majority of them. All right. Here's a little trailer warning. They might be like loud screaming. It's a pretty aggressive <laughs> trailer. Not surprising given the movie, I guess. Yeah. Karen, I'm sorry. We just don't want to get it. Karen, I want to get help now.
kitchen. Blood okay. and gore and so much more. Yeah, That's and quick. Yeah. yeah, quick note. Every time we do one of these movies, and if you Google this and it puts 2002 in parentheses, that's because it premiered at like a film festival, uh, Toronto International, I think, a year earlier. But I know this came out. I mean, it's well documented. This came out September 12th, 2003. And I remember seeing it like um, as sort of, I guess it was the week after my birthday that year. So I remember seeing this right when it came out in theaters. What's changed since then, obviously, is that I've seen a lot of movies. I probably hadn't even seen Evil Dead at this point. Who knows? Like, I hadn't seen like Cabin in the Woods, obviously, because I hadn't come out. I hadn't seen like all the movies that this is trying to reference and just not nearly as many movies in general. So it was very weird rewatching it because of how much I feel like this is trying to mix different tones like humor like super troopers or something yeah (laughs) with horror and actually like there are really disturbing scenes which we'll go through but like the overall tone of the movie is so goofy yeah it's a yeah it's not even like it's campy it's just it's almost like awkward i don't know yeah 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 it's like broken lizard yeah like they're on the verge of being funny but it's not quite there yeah, it's it's strange. <laughs> not to not to insult Broken Lizard because that is actually funny. Um, and this uh, like has a notoriously bad cameo by its director. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that scene doesn't work. It has it's bookended, and and I'm not going to be hating on this. I actually like the movie, so just to be clear, I'm pointing out some things that are that didn't age well. Um, but there are things that, that did age well. Um, but bookending the movie with the N word <laughs> yeah. doesn't age super well. That's like a, that's the joke. Well, uh, it's attempted to be a joke early on and then it's very much supposed to be a joke at the end. Yeah. Um, so that was super weird. Um, yep. yeah, there's yeah. Anyway, Derek, what, <laughs> where are you at on this? Uh, well, this is one of the films or one of the DVDs that I actually purchased while I was working at Best Buy. So I remember having this uh, on the shelf on my shelf at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I I love the cover art. It's like a anyway. What what's the question like about the film itself or my experience with it or just your your overall thoughts? Because I didn't want to get too much into like bad <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah. So um, yeah, when I yeah uh, definitely. A, completely interesting experience as in a, you know, 20 years later, whatever. Um, it's a good film. I still like it, <laughs> but it, yeah, the comedy is interesting. I, I didn't necessarily, re- uh, wasn't aware of the references that it's making to other horror films, but I have to say that uh, like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake with Jessica Beale came out around this time, at least. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both films have some comedy in it that I don't know. It was anyway, the comedy I liked and it was serious enough to, to be a good horror film. Yeah. And actually slightly minus the completely wild racial racial. thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's making fun of that, but it's just not, not really yeah. <laughs> yeah. funny. And it's very triggering to, 
just hear hear that i mean triggering not for different people for all different reasons but like yeah it's very distracting is probably is actually the word i meant to say so ashley uh, yeah (laughs) what what about you i mean humor plus the actual horror in this movie what what worked for you Humor wasn't needed. I mean, the sheriff or whatever was just like, this is too much. Like, I couldn't I, handle that's, it. That's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I just couldn't handle it. I was like, this me, is... Mileage may vary with five pounds of dangling meat, but. Yeah, I was just like, what is, what is happening? And I was like, did he add the most of this? Because it just seems like all over the place. Um, And like getting like young girls drunk and he's like the sheriff. I don't know. I just didn't really care for him. But um, I did like the scene when Ryder Strong's like coughing on all their faces so they can get them all the diseases. I thought that was funny. Yeah. On purpose. He was just like, well, you know what? Um, And I liked all the gore. It, I think it's still done really well. Like I was surprised it held up as well as it did for me. Yeah, this is pretty much uh, Roth had made. He had worked with some other worked on some other films as a PA and then made um uh, done a little work as a tv director i think but this is definitely his first um you know full movie production and he would go on to make the hostile movies and uh even amp it up further but i felt like the the moments of gore in this movie were original um and memorable because before we went back and watched this movie this would have like uh, ranked off the top of my head is one of the most disturbing, like memorable horror scenes of all time um, in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. And that scene held up. I don't know if we want to talk about it now or save it or which one. <laughs> I mean, there are a couple, There's... but I, and they're both sort of in the same general region of the body. But oh, I think girl, it's the oh, first the one. The bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I forgot about. I didn't even remember oh, that. Scene. Okay. So. That's the yeah. one thing I remember about this film. Whenever yeah. somebody brings it up, it's maybe happened several times over the last, you know, I guess now 20 years. <laughs> the one thing it's like cabin fever. Oh, is that the film where <laughs> we're going to yeah. tease it a little bit more. The only, yeah. the only thing I'll, I want to say before we, we get into just some specifics are uh, Derek to the point of like what it's referencing. It's just the, the gas station at the, top is kind of like a deliverancey vibe especially with the, the yeah. creepy blonde kid and then more so just kind of evil dead in every like cabin in the woods type movie to come yeah. after it not like it's not like um scary movie like a straight up spoof it's a little bit like scream where the characters their characters actually aren't even really self-aware of of horror movie um tropes they just are tropes you have a you have a um like a cool guy that that is um that has the hot girlfriend and just wants to have sex you've got the hot girlfriend who also wants to have sex you've got the the stoner slash just like drunk kind of um buffoonish guy so they make a bet to only drink um beer throughout the weekend which will play an important plot point later (laughs) And you have like the boy, the the best friend of the girl who is hoping that she's going to notice him in a different way on this trip. So that's Sean from uh, a role reversal, I guess, where he's the cool, edgy kid in Boy Meets World. Now he's the um, platonic best friend who something about seeing him with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> he loses all the appeal he might have had at some point on Boy Meets World. He's not like 
out of shape. He just has a very juvenile, like yeah, platonic good, yeah. chest, as I put well, it on the letter. Yeah. Just a little doughy boy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did you find him appealing, Ashley? Not that it matters, but like. That... I did in Boy Meets World. <laughs> Are you rooting for that couple in this movie or rooting uh, for no. any of the characters? Yeah. Doesn't really. No. Doesn't yeah. matter. Um, did I forget anyone in the main group? No, that's everyone. Yeah. So just just that general template more so, Derek, than like a specific reference here and there. I'm sure there's plenty, yeah. but it's yeah. just kind of a it's just kind of a, a horror template. So once you get all that aside, they they immediately like um stumble upon a person in the woods that, that clearly needs help and um but is very like I, I think what this movie does really well is kind of especially in a post pandemic world is capture this fear of like um what are you going to do if something very disturbing happens and you're just trying to have a good time partying are you gonna like um do your best to help them it it pits all the characters against each other with what their reactions are to like a person that needs that clearly needs help and we know as a horror audience like i always point out they should just either leave or get out of there or ignore the person like this is going to be bad news but in when you're actually in that position you'd like to think you would maybe try to help well and they try to help him until he spews blood all over their car and then they're like oh no well the guy shoots him but it's kind of by accident no it's not yeah. by accident he doesn't it's- exactly help him yeah well he shoots him the first time he thinks he's hunting he's not hunting like for people like back no, like before the guy keeps coming sick. towards him and then he Right, but he shot him originally, remember? Like at the very yeah. beginning. And then he comes back and he's like way worse. And then he like shoots him to get away because he won't like leave them alone. Yeah. It's yeah, it's tough. I don't know. And and the um the other thing that's pretty original about the movie is like it's not a evil spirit, it's not um zombies, it's like a biological, you know, uh, virus. Like that's mm-hmm. that's pretty original. So the threat is these people that look, I mean, eventually once your skin starts peeling off like <laughs> zombie like, but they don't really they don't have any special powers or anything. They're just no. like, you know, slow and, and decomposing and, and really disturbing looking. So and none of them actually die from the disease. Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's pretty intentional, I'm sure. They like yeah. have to, you know, something horrible happens or they turn on each other before mm-hmm. they have the chance to die from the disease. Maybe it, it just cures after two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Never know. Um, it's quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all that's all that's really clever, I think, how it it, it almost turns into um a situation like the thing where it's more about paranoia. Mm-hmm. Paranoia with who has it, paranoia with the outside world and like closing yourself off versus like fighting a evil you know demon that you summon from hell so yeah clever clever little spin on the horror genre but none of that would really work um because the characters are whatever um Mm -hmm. good and good enough performances to not hate them but not exactly like rooting for their survival so it really hinges on are these sequences of of gore and and horror going to work and actually i mean who should get the honor of describing the the um writer strong uh, making his move with with uh, uh, Derek Ken because that's not my favorite gore scene so okay 
we'll each yeah we can each describe one but derek you want to do this one uh are you talking about the uh yep the foreplay scene yep yep <clears throat> well it's pretty simple uh foreplay. <laughs> uh they're yeah getting i think it's one of the first times that they're the kids are you know getting intimate with one another or you know, young adults and uh yeah he goes down and starts uh well, fingering. I think that's the, the right word, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job, Derek. And uh, he comes back with his hand and it's all bloody. And you, know, you would assume at that point that it's maybe a period. And then uh, he's fingering her inner thigh instead of her vagina. Yep. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucking gross. Yeah. And it's like chunks of blood. It's not yeah, like just dude, blood. Oh, thanks for making me do that one. Yeah, it was it was excruciating listening listening to you to to try to describe it because it's not fun to describe. No, it it's uh, the only thing missing from that description is just kind of like this very romantic music is playing. Mm -hmm. What's crazy, I think uh, he his name is in the credits, and I don't know how much he he did, but Angelo Badalamonte, the composer for a lot of lynch movies and also for twin peaks <laughs> is credited in this and oh. i think he did the music for that scene so it's this piano like romantic piano music it's yep. uh, the soft lighting oh, and he's basically yeah he's making his first move on her and probably one of his first moves ever yeah. and so you think it's going well and she's like in such a state of um of shock and in in kind of um fatigue whatever symptoms you have with this uh, disease that she's kind of like moaning i mean it seems like it's a good thing yeah. is happening for a minute um, yeah kind and of. then and her and whole then, legs like rotting off oh yeah yeah and then everyone obviously freaks out and that's that's kind of like where everything goes goes to hell from there um mm-hmm. and at what point do they start like are they really worried that it's contagious i mean right right away basically then they want to put her out in the woodshed yeah yeah Yeah. they immediately put her in the woodshed which is really shitty but yeah yeah Yeah, and they're uh, that's driving her home or you know taking her i don't know how far they were from where they were where they started actually did they want they wanted to go to a hospital but that's when all the shit goes down with the car yeah yep okay right yeah, so it quickly goes from that scene to the truck scene. So they're trying to leave, but that guy comes back out of, the, or he comes to the door, and then he like goes and gets in their car and just starts hacking up blood everywhere, oh, right. all over the yeah. car, and then eventually they they shoot him and light um, him on fire, light him on fire, and he yeah uh, like <laughs> runs off through the woods uh, on fire. So <laughs> yep. Yeah, things things escalate in a hurry. Uh, I can't remember at that point they had already had the inter- interaction with Eli Roth's character at the campfire or no. Yeah, cuz they were all like okay, they were all well at that point. When yeah. He was telling the story. So, cuz that's when they had the sonar du- dude show up out of the woods with that terrible goatee. Yes. Dog. That's yeah. that's Eli. Yeah. Yeah. And but he's the also the Dr. He's Mamba. also the decapitated head, right? In the bowling alley scene. If it was just the bowling alley scene, I wouldn't call this. That would have been an appropriate cameo for the director. But all the 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 stoner like hippie accent he's doing 
in uh, yeah. the campfire scene is it's pretty <laughs> terrible. Yeah, the story's kind of fun, I guess. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah. But he just deal. tells like an unrelated to this plot kind of like campfire tale, um, and we get some cutscenes to to that, so a little bit more gore where people are like rolling people's body parts down the bowling lanes. <laughs> um, Ashley, I'm dying to hear what your favorite. Um, gore scene was then well my most memorable scene is when she's shaving her legs yeah yeah because that's relatable because you start shaving your legs when you're like a teenager and so like still fairly new and then you watch this movie and you're like oh and then every time you put on shaving cream you think your legs gonna basically she's shaving her legs after she has sex with Ryder strong and she has like these bad like uh, lesions on her back that start to appear and then she's just shaving her legs and everything's fine and all of a sudden there's like skin starting to peel and then she keeps shaving. Like, that's what kills me. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, can you stop? <laughs> and it's so, they do it so well. The sound, yeah. The top, top of the podcast, but they do yeah. it too good. Yeah. So that's the scene that I always remember. Yeah. This movie is like the more intimate version um, of some of the scenes from like Final Destination that you'll never drive behind a truck with logs the same right. again like you'll or, never yeah. shave the same again you'll never um clean your ears the same again which i don't even use q-tips anymore after that episode of girls where oh, lena yeah. dunham falls down and jams one into her ear it's like these uh, everyday activities that um yep. eli roth was drawing from personal experience he was shaving and his skin was coming off no he got a, a bacterial infection um I don't know what I... That's just the general, like... I thought you said something specific about shaving, but... Um, I might have. I don't remember. Yeah, But anyway, that's really... I mean, really smart, <laughs> uh, creative way to use that in the movie because this is sort of when things are looking really bleak um, all around and Ryder Strong um, has just kind of like, you know... <laughs> lost all hope obviously in in his uh new romance with um jordan lad's character she's in the shed dying and so he's just kind of consoling uh, oh he's consoling marcy because her um uh douche douchey boyfriend like runs off into the woods with um some all beer by himself <laughs> yeah um so he he abandons her and Ryder strong steps up and they kind of like she gives a little speech um, about, you know, it's the end of the world. You just want to grab the person next to you and fuck them. So they do that. And she's basically just like she's really being vulnerable in that scene because she knows all hope is lost, but she's still going through the motions of like, yeah. you know, grooming herself and taking care of her, trying to take a, a bath and shave, like as if yeah, everything's really normal. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like in a very silly at times movie, that's a emotionally um, powerful moment combined with the visuals are, that are just absolutely sickening um, in an effective way. And then she gets uh, destroyed by the dog. Yeah. Yeah, she gets eaten by Dr. Mambo. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, I think this movie, uh, since we're speaking of the most um, uh, gory and, and, and kind of disturbing parts, um, have you all seen the Hostel movies or any of other yeah. Eli Ross other movies? I, I saw the I first Hostel in theaters. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw the first. I think I saw them both in theaters, and the second one I saw in an empty theater by myself, which was a weird experience. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> but I, I lost my appetite for that subgenre torture porn, torture horror, whatever you want to call it. Um, Eli Roth kind of like um, rejuvenated it or took it to new extremes at the, around this time. And I don't think this movie really dwells in it so long that it um, like I can still watch this movie and and find it overall uh, entertaining as a horror movie. Whereas like, I don't have any desire to rewatch Hostel. No, and Hostel had that big was Hostel. Uh... No, Hostel was different. I was thinking of Saw. Never mind. But I have Saw... seen, I did see Hostel in theaters. Yeah, both both Saw and Hostel at the time felt like kind of original, interesting premises, and you're just kind of figuring out what your personal appetite for types of horror is. And mm-hmm. at the time, I was like, <laughs> I want it all. Um, now I definitely like um, these scenes we're describing last like you know, 30 seconds versus hostile or Saul, which is just like long drawn out mm-hmm. sequences waiting for um, horrible things to happen to the the characters on screen. It's kind of all about the torture. Whereas this, I think definitely serves a bigger, you know, some bigger thematic points that the movie is trying to make. Like, like I said, like the paranoia between characters and, and fear of outsiders coming into this community and and things like that and fucking everything up, which they do a pretty good job of doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what else? What do do we want to talk about? Dennis, the little kung fu ninja. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Did you like that part? Or <laughs> I did kind of like that part. It's a fine line between the absurdities that I enjoyed versus. I thought just we're dumb this time around the the kid at the at the convenience store that um bites people that that sit down beside him um he first bites like the the drunk like stoner character right yeah 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 um and he doesn't infect him no because he doesn't have it yet but the kid gets infected later when he bites, he actually bites him the again. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this time, like, there's a something like uh, Dennis can taste the b- difference in the blood, I guess. Yeah. He like, immediately notices that he, the kids in, or like, that he's being infected or something's wrong. Cause I guess he yeah. bites a lot of people. So, yep. He knows what um, tastes like. So that's, he bites them and then they do like a sort of, there's a few, um, Roth's always been closely, um, aligned with Tarantino or like um uh, admiring him and and worked with him on Inglorious Bastards later and stuff like that. There's sort of like a little kung fu homage sequence mm. in that <laughs> moment where Dennis all of a sudden he's like trained in in martial arts. He can do like real flip kicks and stuff. Yeah, it looks, I mean like that looks kind of flying cool, spin kicks. Seemed ridiculous, but it looked kind of cool. It definitely was ridiculous. <laughs> um, so there's that. There's the twist. Um, much like the movie Signs. Sorry, spoilers for Signs and Cabin Fever. Um, in the in different ways, it's all about the water. So in this movie, we see early on. Is it like right before she lays down in bed? Um, before the the fingering scene that we see a very big like tofu sized cube of flesh in her water yeah 
<laughs> that was yeah. disgusting. Yeah, that was really gross. I was like, please don't drink that. Like, that might have been more disgusting than any of the other gore. Like it was a real big chunk of flesh. Um, yeah. Because what what caused this whole thing? Uh, basically a body, a decomposing body in their water source. Which it wasn't in there though until so it's when they kill the the hermit guy, and he goes in there, and he fall and he to put himself out from the fire that they set. That's when the water supply gets infected. And that's when we see them. One scene that's also super disturbing. God, I forgot about this one. Um, I'll just make this my most scene. Uh, grossest gore moment is the pig. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the stoner guy and the cool guy are like looking for help. And they go to a nearby um, farmhouse barn about the scene and a woman is butchering a hog and just going to town ripping its guts out like punching the guts doing it's just like they're all gray and slimy and she's saying that there the there's something wrong with the hogs so so she's mad and she's not really mad at them she's just it's just very disturbing so they leave but they also kind of find out that she's related to or friends with the guy that they set on fire yeah it's like her cousin or something yeah yeah so there's that there's the deputy which we talked about um he's just a a complete like um fuck up fuck up that is yeah like you said partying with underage kids not taking his job seriously um sort of comic relief if you find it funny in the movie (laughs) but otherwise doesn't serve much much purpose um and yeah i mean did did y'all think any of the the way like that were you surprised by the water reveal mm, no i mean maybe i would maybe have been the first time watch it maybe <laughs> yeah. yeah i can't 20 years ago i might have been um but no i wanted the um the guy that was just drinking beer that was the asshole i wanted him to survive because i thought that'd Ye- be interesting yeah he did not (laughs) yeah nobody nobody really makes it except do we fully see Ryder strong character character die or not no he's just in the hospital but they're like but they're saying like we can't we're not going to save him they don't care what he's talking about he's just like delirious so i think he just dies right so yeah well i swear i had seen like a different cut of the ending but i can't remember what it what it was now um but but yeah they it's pretty bleak and then what do what do we think happens to the community everyone gets it and the water shipped in those like spring bottles or whatever oh yeah I've, well there's the lemonade stands that oh, they're making yeah. with the kids are making with infected water so we know everyone's fucked and then i forgot yeah then they kind of show it's gonna even be distributed beyond that so basically it's the end of the end of the world yeah, pretty much. Um, unless and you know, unless they can find a cure, just drink I mean, beer. Yeah, it's <laughs> it. It was uh, the last thing I'll say. Just kind of overall thought. I mean, the flesh eating premise, like I said, versus being a supernatural thing or something, was a really clever concept for a horror movie because it mm-hmm. has the gore baked in, obviously, <laughs> but it just kind of has this this new like fear of of transmission built in mm-hmm. 
and I like the gore over time because you know it's going to happen. You just don't know exactly when it's going to take effect. And like you're waiting for them not to drink the water and then they take a sip and you're like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow or, you know. Like yeah. That. Yeah. It's like a slow burn a little bit, mm-hmm. although they don't really let it play out very long. <laughs> no, they don't. Quickly. Um, Derek, yeah. Where are you at overall? Did you enjoy going back to this? I did. Yeah. It's a it's a good film. Okay. Um, there was a sequel which I had no real interest in, or just like a remake. I want to say in mm-hmm. 2016, which I, it was so weird to remake this movie that soon. Uh, let me see when that was. Uh, 2009. So yeah, seven years later, they just kind of remade it with a different cast because it fever had a two, Spring Fever. <laughs> no, that's the sequel. There's also just oh. a Cabin Fever. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, weird. 2016, yeah. Like, so they just kind of rebooted it, although it says Eli Roth is in it, but it's got like the same character names. So they just... Oh. Um, weird. Yeah. Uh, I would be curious to like compare them, but I didn't really... I wasn't excited to <laughs> just rewatch the same story. Um so yeah, uh, I'm trying to get to a point where we could answer. Let's just say, do we want more 2003? Do we want more Eli Roth? More Cabin Fever? What? Any any angle that you want here, Ashley? More infectious disease movies. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we have enough of those now. Um, I mean, I like 2003, so I wouldn't be opposed to more 2003 movies. Watching more of those. Okay general eli More. roth i was looking at his like uh all the movies he's done and they're not really my style i don't think like i never saw the inferno movie that he did knock knock i know you guys really liked but i didn't really care for that either <laughs> so yeah though that's an interesting movie for um <laughs> different reasons the fact that keanu's in it and then it just has a lot of nudity with some pretty um yeah well-known stars now is is strange <laughs> or Ana de Armas is well-known at least. Um, but it's also that, yeah, I think that's a tense, good like home invasion, a take on the home invasion genre. But for the most part, I think his career has been like on a downhill trajectory. Yeah. Um, Derek, what do you want? New movie. He's been, yeah, steadily putting stuff out. What's that called? Oh, he's has a Thanksgiving horror movie this year, right? Yeah, but he also has this about a Valentine's Day one coming out called like Be Mine something something. Um, hold on, I saw it a second ago. I'll watch any Be Mine, a VR Valentine slasher. Okay, well, that's probably going to be terrible. I I will watch anything <laughs> that's tied to a holiday. So he, the fact that he has a movie just called Thanksgiving coming out and it's mm-hmm. going to be a horror slasher movie, I'll I'll definitely watch that. Um, and see if he's still got any kind of um talent or or new ideas but derek anything you want more of uh yeah i want 2003 to be extended by a few more months and have more of the the same style of films come out it was a pretty okay good idea. okay yeah i think we are definitely in on in on the the time period so that's fun i'm glad we got a chance to go back and now we're going back forward. Um, we were going to maybe spend a couple weeks here, but I think we don't want to overstay our welcome. So I think we have an easy decision. Um, oh, I skipped gift shop, gift shop, Ashley. Yep. So each week we watch a movie or a show or whatever we're watching. Um, we take something from that and we sell it in our gift shop. 
so what do we want to take from <laughs> this movie? Hmm. Um, a thimble? Like, what are things that you can put on your fingers to... <laughs> for, what is... Oh. For protection? Um, oh. Yeah, this one's going to be gnarly. Like uh, a little finger... A finger drill? Ew. <laughs> I was thinking like Jello, like a like a fruit cocktail Jello thing, but it's like edible, but it looks like blood. Chunks mm. in it, but you eat it. At this place. Oh what? yeah, cabin rental. A timeshare yeah. at the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, yeah. one weekend getaway with Doctor Mambo. Perfect. Oh yeah. yeah. You can dog sit. Yeah, you can dog sit at the cabin where everyone died. Okay. Perfect. Uh, one weekend at cabin fever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll figure out how to market that. So, okay. So that's it for the this week. But we have to figure out what we're going to watch next week. Uh, mentioned this last week. <laughs> Too many weeks in these the sentences. But there is a kind of like fantasy... Um, horror show coming out on Apple TV plus called the changeling, which um, is based on a novel that I haven't read, but looks like a really interesting tone and setting. So I vote for that. I don't really have any other, other options, other ideas. So. Yeah. Changing sounds good to me. And then the next one you have listed, I'm definitely going to watch because I didn't know that was coming out. So yeah, I know um, you and Isaac watched season one of welcome to Wrexham. It's yes. back. I will. Um, I'm totally down for that. That's why I put it on here. I haven't seen um, season one, but I don't think I will because it's a like you know time based yeah, thing. So yeah. it'll just be new information. Um, since it's a reality sports show, and do you know actually um, mm-hmm. what happens in this season? Like you've been following it in real life, right? Well, I've been getting an announcements on like Apple and stuff, so I just know. I wasn't trying to find out what happened in the season, but yeah. I mean, if you, okay. if people are closely following soccer, yeah, they are, now they're aware of, of Wrexham. So they are less likely to go into the season <laughs> blind, right. but I'll be going in blind and in every way. So perfect to the show and to the team for the most part, I don't know how they did this last um, season. Great. So that's two weeks from now, but next week we'll watch the changeling on Apple TV plus if you want to get on board for those upcoming episodes, then search new release on Spotify or Apple or any other podcast platform. Ashley. That's a flesh eating rap. Nice. <laughs> Delicious.